closer into the month of March, I wanted to look at hope. I had actually thought about asking Jesse to put like a snowflake on the O and then like a flower on the E and tie it into the fact that usually by March in Michigan, you're hopeful because you know spring is coming. But I didn't because this isn't about seasonal change and having hope for seasonal things, even though that does relate. We all have cycles in our life. I think of like a, a young mother who is up at night with an infant that's not sleeping through the night. And you say, well, this, this too shall pass, right? And then you talk to her when she's got a three-year-old saying, oh, he still gets up in the middle of the night. How long is this going to last? But we do have seasons. We do know that different things are coming. And that is one way of looking at hope. Again, very obvious way. But as I prayed and asked the Lord and just really tried to listen to his voice, I really inquired of him, why, when I ask you, what do you want the people to know? You just keep showing me hope. You just, that's all I could see. I could just see hope, 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 hope. Hope in the seasons? No, just hope. All right, Lord. So I continued to pray, and I continued seeking the Lord through his word and through prayer. And he kept bringing me to lamentations. I'm like, you want me to preach on hope, and you want me to get up and talk to them about lamentations. Really, God? Like, seriously, are you listening to yourself right now? Why would you want me to talk about lamentations? So I thought, I better look up, what is, the, what is the Hebrew word for lamentations? What does it mean to lament? Because it's not really something we talk about in everyday English language, right? You don't, like, go up to your friend and say, oh, my son lamented all night. You just don't use that word. It is an English word, and it's a translation of a Hebrew word that obviously they had in the Bible. But it's just not something that we normally use. So as I asked the Lord, and I really looked up the definitions, it was a complaint. But it was interesting because how biblically it was explained was, let's see if I stand still. So there's something in here. I wonder if you just, because you don't have me in the monitor, right? So if we just turn the monitor all the way off, if it's feedback in the monitor somehow, no, probably doesn't make any difference. I don't know. Somebody's with us today. Hopefully it's an angel, right? Well, as, oh, it might be the wind. It is really windy out. That's probably what it is. So lamenting is different than just simply complaining. And so here's an example. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they traveled in the desert for a very long time. And there were times when they would be angry with God. And they would go to Moses and they would say, why did you bring us out in the desert? We could have been in Egypt and at least had food to eat. Even though we were a slave, at least we had something to eat. So they're not only complaining, but then they go on and they say, God is going to kill us out here. God wanted to kill us, and that's why he brought us out into the desert. So it's complaining 
with an attitude of negative towards the person that you're complaining about, that they're doing this on purpose to harm you. Like, that's a really deep explanation of lament. I might complain that one of my children overslept and I was late to work. But if I say, my child laid in bed on purpose, knowing that I needed to get going so I would be late to work, that would be a lament. Does that make sense? You complain about something you don't like. It doesn't mean that the person that did that is intentionally trying to harm you. When I go to the grocery store, I might complain, oh my gosh, you know, the cash register took forever to get everybody through. That's just the reality, right? I mean, I'm not a big complainer, but let's say I complained about that. But a lament would be the cash register lady heard I was in a hurry and she purposely sat there for two minutes before she began ringing me up. Now I'm lamenting. I'm saying this person had an evil intention behind what they did. So most of this that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about complaining because that's like the English word we use. When I'm in a situation and I'm frustrated and it's not going my way, right, I normally complain or I, or I in my, even if I don't say anything, even though I'm not letting it affect me, I'm in a situation where I could be able to complain. And if my attitude is, this person is out to get me, then I'm lamenting. So God puts on my heart, I want you to talk about hope and I want you to talk about lamentations. And I look this up, and I'm like, you want me to get up and say that some of us all here are complaining about our situation, and we're not only complaining about our situation, but we're mad that this person is doing this against us. And he's like, yep, because in life, there's going to be times that you are in a situation that you don't like, and whether you verbalize it or not in your head, you're complaining about it, and you're irritated about it, and you're taking it personally. Even if the person didn't mean to, even though it might not have been true, that's what you're doing. right? When the children of Israel went to Moses and lamented to him and said, God brought us out into the desert, there's nothing to drink out here, and he did this because he wants to kill us, they were lamenting. They were lamenting a falsehood. God did not bring them out there to kill them. But in their mind, they weren't just complaining, they were lamenting because they were not only stating the bad situation they were in, they were mad for being in that bad situation and finding somebody else to blame. All right, God, I'll get up, I'll talk to them about lament. I'll examine my life and say, when have I lamented? But what does that have to do with hope? right? Seriously, I'm like, this is a reality and something we go through, and this is way over here, and it doesn't connect. And God was like, you are wrong. You are wrong. Hope is the way out of lament. Hope is what changes your attitude. Because he pointed out the only difference between complaining and lamenting is the attitude. 
Complaining is stating a fact about what happened and how it affected you. Lamenting states the fact and it has an attitude about who caused it. He says, when you are in storms, and you will be, when you are going through a tough time in life, and you will, how you respond determines how quickly you get out of that situation. That's sometimes hard. We fall down into a ditch. Sometimes we think, was it my fault? I didn't dig the hole. Someone better come get me out. And you stay in there for a really long time. Some of us, we fall into a ditch and we say, I don't know who dug this hole. And I can't believe I didn't see it and I fell in it. But I'm going to dig my way back out. What's the difference? It's the attitude. It's the action. What are you going to do with this? When we find ourselves in a hole, we might complain, we might lament, but only hope will get you out of it. So we're going to look here at scripturally how many times people did this. This is part of our human condition. We don't talk about it today, but... Psalms, the book of Psalms, the word Psalms means praise. And most of us think that, well, the whole book of Psalms is praises to God. Did you know that two-thirds of the book of Psalms is laments? Is laments. That this with theologians, when they read through it, they say this part of it, this is all lamenting. At the end of the chapter, there might be some praise at the end. Then the rest of the next chapter... Two-thirds of it's lamenting, and then the last third of it, this is the praise part of it. Now, why would we put lamenting in a book of praise? Because that's why we praise. I have to lament because I'm in this situation. As a human being, it comes out of me. That attitude, that complaint, that I'm in this situation, I want everybody to know. The only way out of it is when I begin to praise when I begin to have hope, when I begin to get my eyes off of the hole and I begin to look at him who's going to come over with the rope and help me out. So let's look here in Psalms 101. We're in Psalm, oh, excuse me, 102. We're in Psalms 102. Now I have written down here that verses 1 through 11 is the complaint, is the lament. So let's look at it. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly, for my days vanish like smoke. My bones like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. This person's really lamenting. It's hard to forget to eat. I mean, hello. Your stomach will growl. But they are in so much distress, they forget to eat their food. In my distress, I groan aloud, and I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the nations. I lay awake. I have become like a bird alone on a road. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse for I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. Your wrath. Not your goodness. Not your wrath, Lord, is why I'm in this. I'm lamenting. I'm blaming God. 
For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow, and I wither away like grass. That is the complaint. That is the lament. That is the accusation. I love how in the word it says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, which means the accuser of the Christians, the accusers of the Christ followers. Why does he accuse? He accused God. He accuses Jesus. He accuses us. And when we fall into lament and when we fall into complaint, we become like Satan and we look to see who we can blame for the situation we are in. And a book of praise starts off this new song with the complaint, with the lament, with the outpouring of somebody's heart. And it shows you a person who loved the Lord and served only him has moments in their life when they are mad at God and their situation. And we put that in a book of praise. Because without the lament, there'd be no reason for hope. What do I need to hope for if everything is fine? What do I need to hope for if everything is, I don't want any change? What is there to hope for? I don't want to hope for anything different. I, I don't want anything to change. I like it just the way it is. We need hope to help us when we're in the situations we don't like. So 1 through 11 is the lament. But verse 12 says, but, I love that, but, and I'm not talking about my booty, right? But God, but God, my attitude might be horrible. I might have stinking thinking. I might be in a situation where I'm in sorrow and I'm in lament and I am complaining and I am mad and I don't like what's happening to me. And I think God is able to do something and he hasn't done it yet. And what are you doing? But God. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. But I will acknowledge you and how great you are. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her, for the appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants, for her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their pleas. God wanted me to share hope with you after lament in March. Because in February, he had me tell you that you pray. You pray to the Father. First, he had to tell me about prayer. Then he told me to tell you how to pray. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Then he had me tell you that you pray even if you don't feel like it. That was last week, remember? Even if your feelings are bad, you pray anyway. And now he wants me to point out why. When you're in lament... The reality is, he is on the throne. He can see what's going on. And in verse 17, it says, he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. 
So when you're in a situation where the only thing you got is lament, you got murderous ugh, attitude, anger, blaming, it's beyond a complaint. It's a lament. You don't feel like praying, but we do it anyway. Because we put our hope that the situation will change in the God who is on the throne and will hear the prayers of those who are destitute. It doesn't say that God responds to people who are in a hole, who are angry. It says he responds to the prayer of somebody in a hole. He knows when we fall in a hole, but he only responds when we ask him for help. And we, that makes us angry because we're like, you can see it, you know it, you have the ability. Why don't you just do it? But his standard, his boundaries of free will and not controlling you and waiting to you ask is there. That's why it says that he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. We can accuse God, we can accuse our spouses, we can accuse the government, we can accuse our neighbors, our children, our bosses at work. We can spend all day finding fault with everything around us, and it would be all true. I could stand here for one hour and tell you why this room is not fit for worship. I could point out where there's stains on the carpet, and I could point out where there's holes in the ceiling, and I could sit here and point out the ugliness of this carpet, or the dirtiness of the chairs, or the draftiness of the windows, or how hot it is in the summer. But I don't choose to spend all day finding the negative. I don't live a life of lament. But when I find myself there, I have hope. And I pull myself out of it because I don't want to stay in it. Let's look at Psalms 31, verse 24. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope. In the Lord. You have to have strength to take a position of hope. The weak person only sees what is in front of them and embraces the feelings they're in in that moment. A strong person rises above the feeling, changes their thoughts, which changes their actions. And walks in the hope of the Lord. Be strong and take heart. We talked about this last week. When the Bible in the Old Testament says heart, what are they talking about? They're not talking about my cardio muscle that is pumping blood throughout my body. It is talking about my soul, my attitude, my feelings, my emotions. When it says take heart, it means take control of your feelings. Be strong. It takes strength to do that. You don't want to do that. That hurts. It takes effort. To be strong and lift something is totally different than if I'm weak. 
If I walk over to a 100-pound weight and I take my weakness and I attempt to lift it, I do nothing and I walk away. But if Todd walks over to it with his strength, he'll grab hold of it and he'll move it a lot farther than I would. But his arms and his muscles and his fatigue and the energy he exerts to move that 100-pound weight is way different than what I'm going to feel. To take control of your emotions, to be strong and to do it, requires some effort. And I might say to you, I'll never move 100 pounds. I physically can't do it. God didn't make me like that. I can't control my emotions. I can't, I can't marry. I'm going to stay in the pit all the time. Well, you know what? I can move 100 pounds. I might not move it the way he moves it, but I can move 100 pounds. I can go find something with wheels and, and get some leverage and get it up on the side and get it over on something and do it. It might take me more effort. might take some tools, but I could do it. And if I have to do that every day, maybe I'm going to spend a few hours every morning lifting weights until I can pick up 100 pounds. <coughs> Satan will try to tell you, you're not strong. You'll never be strong. But that's a lie. We can complain to God when we pour out our heart. We can lament to him and and not have any hope. Some of us do that. Some of us pray and just mad and just complain. And we don't add on the extra verses that we have in Psalms with the hope part. We We just do the first part. We just lament. God, this sucks. Why aren't you doing anything? Hate my life. Blah, 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 blah. Right? We can, we can do that. And you can call it prayer because you're telling God this. But I want you to always add hope to the end of your prayers. And that's why we had to have this lesson right after the lesson on prayer. It's one thing for me to tell you, you connect to God by prayer. It's another thing for me to tell you, you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. It's even another thing for me to say, you do it even if you don't feel like it. But if I don't take a minute and say, and add on some hope, all that lesson is wasted. Because all you did was learn how to tell him all your issues and how to do it properly. And and you know he's heard you. you. You do it even when you don't feel like it. But nothing changes. And you're like, now... I tried all that, Mary, nothing, nothing happened. And I'll be like, did you add the hope on? Did you acknowledge that he is able, he is great, he is willing? And you asked him to do it. That's where we add on the hope. And we add on hope because we trust in him. It's one thing for me to walk up to my husband and say, trash can fell over in the wind and there's trash all over the yard and him just say okay he walks away and he sits down and watches tv i I told him about a problem it's another thing for me to walk up to him and say the wind just knocked over the trash can there's trash all over the yard will you please come outside and help me pick it up now as human beings in relationship we assume, if I were to say that to a man like my husband, he would just go and do it. 
But God has made it very clear to us, I can do anything for you. Tell me what you want. Do you want me to help you pick up the trash, or do you want me to find a neighbor to come over and take care of the trash for you so you don't have to touch it? What, what do you want? I don't know what you want. I'm not going to give you an answer until I know what you want. It's kind of like letting God know, I don't have a job. Okay. He knew that, and, and he's glad you acknowledged him, and you don't have a job. What do you want him to do with that? Lord, I don't have a job. Point me in the direction of finding a job in the medical field because I really like working with the sick. Now, all of a sudden, he's like, that's what you want. So now I can answer that. If I went to him tomorrow and said, Lord, I need a job, and then all of a sudden somebody offered me a job working in a plant third shift in Detroit, that might have been the answer from God, but that doesn't help me. So that's why he doesn't do that. He says, be specific, show me, have hope as you lament, and be specific in how you want him to answer that prayer. Let's look at Psalms verse 20, or chapter 22. Again, we have some lament, and then we have some praise. Psalms 22, starting in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm lamenting right now. I'm mad. I'm complaining. I'm telling you the reality of my situation. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day. But you do not answer. By night I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. I love how the book of Psalms is like someone's prayer journal. They sat down, and their anger came out, and then all of a sudden, what they've put down in their heart, what they know of God, starts to come out and says, wait a minute, I put my trust in you, you'll rescue me, you you did it for my ancestors, you did it for these people, now all of a sudden I'm going to change my attitude, now all of a sudden I'm being reminded. But it wasn't wrong to have the lament be the first part, and it was good that they were reminded that I could put my trust in you. When I use the example of our trash can and our yard falling over and the trash going and me going to my husband, the reason why I picked him as the example of the person I go to and ultimately the one I ask and come to help is because I can trust him that he would be willing to help me with the trash in my yard. If I walk up to my neighbor or to the mailman who happens to be driving by and I go to them and lament, They're going to be like, sucks to be you, and they're going to get in the car and keep on going. Right? Some of the people, I mean, you might know them personally, and they might just be a good-natured person at heart, and, you know, maybe if you're an 80-year-old widow, they're going to stop and help. But I don't put my trust in my mailman. As far as who helps me around the house, I put my trust in my husband because he has proven to me he's willing, he is able, and he does what he says he's going to do. When we are reminded and we get into an attitude of, doesn't matter where my feelings are, I've got to take heart, I've got to take control of them, doesn't matter how big the hole is, that God is willing and that he is able and I can put my trust in him. Now, there's more to this. 
Psalms 22, 1 through 5, we hear the lament and the realization of trust. Verses 19, it says, But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Now we see the ask. And I'm hopeful because I know that he is able. And now I'm not going to have my eyes fixed on my problem, but my hope is that the God who is able that I put my trust in is going to bring a solution. My attitude will no longer be on how big the situation is. I will begin to envision all the different ways maybe he's going to answer this. My eyes have shifted, and now I have hope that change is coming. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I have hope it's coming. Because he is able, and I trust him. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel. Who is he asking to do this? The same person who is saying, where are you? I'm vanquished. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? That was verse 1. And now he is saying, you who fear the Lord, praise him. Deliver me from the sword. I love this example of Prayer, lament, reminding, and then hope. Hope, hope, hope. When you choose hope in a crisis, you're blessed. Because you're not going to just stay in the crisis. You're not the answer to the crisis. You've asked somebody who is more than able and more than willing to come up with a better solution than you can do. Hope and patience is what you need, though, as you wait on the Lord for the answer. That's the hard part. So if we look in actual, the book of Lamentations, we see this. People have been lamenting, right? So in chapter 3, verse 25, it says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. As we hope, put our hope in him, We're seeking him and we're asking him for his intervention. And it says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Some of the different versions actually use the word patience. What's the difference between patience and waiting? If I lose my job tomorrow and I go apply everywhere and I have to wait till somebody calls me, that's waiting. But if I lose my job tomorrow and I put my applications everywhere and I'm waiting to find out and I pray, put my hope in the Lord, now I'm waiting with expectancy that is not based on my resume in front of them, but it is based on God whispering in their ear and giving me favor and opening up the right doors. A lot of stuff you can do here on the earth by your own power, by your own intellect, by your own situation and opportunities, by your own actions. But the blessed, the most amazing things that happen in your life 
are when you did your best and you expected God to do the rest and he comes in and does something even more. And when you have hope, when you're waiting in hope, now you're being patient. Patience is waiting with hope, waiting with expectancy that God is going to help you. Hope allows us to endure. He gives us this hope. This isn't something that the average person who doesn't know the Lord has. I mean, I've been in communists that were run by communist countries, like in Germany, in the east, east side of Germany that was run by Russia right before the communist rule, and then the wall fell down. A few years later, I was over there talking to cousins and different things. One of the things that struck me as a friend, cousin there, was showing me she had gone on a trip with her friends. She showed me the pictures of this place they had visited. And I know it's maybe just a cultural thing, but it was very striking. All these pictures she showed me, picture after picture after picture after picture after picture. And I had seen her passport. I had seen IDs. No one smiles in any of those, and I thought that was just a government thing where they'd say, don't smile, right? So just have a straight-on face. But when she's showing me the pictures of this trip with her schoolmates, probably high school age, there was not one picture where anybody in the picture was smiling. And I finally, after I got to the end of the stack of pictures, I said, why don't you smile? Like, why, why isn't anybody smiling in these pictures? And she looked at me and goes, why would we smile? This was a country, this was a regime, this was an attitude where there was no hope. There was nothing in joy there. This doesn't come natural. This is literally a Christian thing. When you go back to the history of what the world was like before Jesus came, it was dog eat dog. You have a child that's got disabilities. You throw them over the cliff. You, nobody helps you. Nobody does anything. You steal. You do whatever you can. You take from the poor and you keep it. And then all of a sudden Christianity came around. The first ones to ever open an orphanage were Christians. Jesus said, you love your neighbor as yourself. You take care of those less fortunate. You be that good Samaritan and help the person on the side of the road. It is the hope of Jesus that makes us smile. It is the hope of Jesus that gives us joy. She didn't look at the picture and say, well, Mary, all these people are poor. They have nothing to smile about. None of them had joy. None of them had hope. Why? Because they didn't have Jesus. We have hope. We have joy in the midst of a storm because we have Jesus. How are you doing today? Well, I just got a foreclosure on my house and my kid ran away. But, all the, I, but I can sit here and smile with you. And you're like, well, wait, why are you smiling? Because God's got this. I said my prayers. I put my trust in him. I've taken heart. I've taken my emotions under control. I'm not happy. I, I don't want this to happen this way. I wanted the change to come last night and not today. But I'm going to have joy until it comes. Because we have our hope in something greater than ourselves. I love this here in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says, For everything 
it's not, it's that, yeah, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance, through endurance, nobody likes endurance. Seriously, you want me to keep going when it's hard? That's endurance. I want to endure this. I want it to end now. But in life, we have to endure. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You might be in a hole, and you may lament for a while. But then you bring out the hope. Then you get strong. Then you take heart. And you endure it with encouragement as you put your trust in the Lord and you patiently wait on him. (laughs) Have a party in the hole. Hey, I'm down here. Come on down. You bring the chips. You bring the salsa. Let's go. I might be stuck down here for a while, so I want some salsa. I wanted some, you know, bring me a chocolate bar, throw me a Coke Zero. When I was up on that roof, it was cold. It was noisy. It was wet. But I had joy in my heart because I could endure it. God was with me. Didn't matter what my body felt. My heart was fine. Are we going to change our attitudes and say, doesn't matter about the situation around me. My heart is fine. I know who I put my trust in. I know that something will change because he loves me and he will not leave me this way forever. I may endure it for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Even if I'm still in the hole, joy will come in the morning. That's the hard part. I love how it says the writings of the past show us how to endure. The writings, these holy scriptures, encourage us while we're in the midst of a storm. Next week, I'm going to be showing you some of those. I'll be pointing out, when I read this story, when I hear what they went through, that gives me hope. I mean, just even reading that Psalms, remember the first part where I was reading, you know, where it's like the dog is tearing me up and there's swords coming after me and this and that. That encouraged me. I'm thinking like, if they could endure war, think about the people in Ukraine. If they can endure war... Can I endure my little situation? I can, and I will, and I'll do it with hope. I'm not going to like it. I'm going to lament. I'm, I'm human. You want to hear me lament? I, I can lament to you. I might not lament to you everything I'm thinking, but I'll, you want to hear me lament, I'll find a few things to tell you about that you didn't know that was a problem. A lot of people see me, well, it must be easy for you. you don't have any problems. Huh. I might not lament publicly, but I lament. My problems are different than yours, but I don't, that doesn't mean I don't have problems. Let's end here in 1 Thessalonians. I hope this is encouraging you, right? I know I'm like fired up today, but I really want us to get this. Because today you might feel like everything's fine, but tomorrow you might have something to lament about. And I hope you remember the day I got up here and said, Lamentations are coming! You going to stay in it or are you going to have hope? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 says, "We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor promoted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope 
in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the verse you need to write down and put in front of your toilet. Right? If you're sitting there constipating, you're like, Lord, is this ever coming? Well, I can endure it, right? But when you sit there and you get reminded, what I love about this is it's not easy. There's like multiple things here. I got I to gotta like remember before God the work produced by faith. I gotta, now you want me to remember. So that means I got to like read stuff so I have memories, so have something to refer back to. And then, and then you're saying that, that I did work that produced by faith. So you want me to go out there and do something about it? Not just think it, but have some action. And then it says your labor promoted by love. You want me to go love people? You want me to go out there and labor and love people? A lot of us, we say we're Christians. What do you actually did this week to love somebody? Above what, what is expected and comes natural. How did you love somebody this week? Did you really do something? Did you go out of your way to show somebody that you, that you love them, that God loves them? I mean, I'm not going to go there. You know, we're, thankfully, you know, we're a part of a place where some people, it's, I'm busy working, and I'll give you some money so you can love, and that's my way of contributing, and that's great. Some of you were able to come in and, and contribute here or there. But beyond what is the expectation, what has just become the norm, what are we doing with our time and our effort? And that's a whole other sermon, but it's here, so i got to point it out. And then I love this, and your endurance inspired by hope. Endurance means I'm going through a pressure, I'm going through a hard time, and I'm waiting patiently on the Lord, and I'm enduring it. I'm not liking it, I'm enduring it. There's a difference. And it's heavy, and it's not good, and I'm going to lament about it. But why can I endure a hard time? Because of the hope. Your endurance inspired by hope. Hope in my ability to get myself out of this bad situation? No. Hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I told him. I complained to him. I was mad. And then I asked him to help. And now I am hopeful that he heard that prayer because he is good and able. He is going to help me out of this situation. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor promoted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So I will continue to encourage all of you to pray, but I want to remind you to have hope with it. Let me pray for all of you. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and for some of us here, we're having a great week. But for some of us, we're not. And we're enduring a rough time and a hard situation. And we thought it was our responsibility, but we're reminded that you love us. You want good things for us. And it's okay that we're mad. And it's okay that we're frustrated. And it's okay that we're complaining. But we're not going to stay in a place of complaint. Instead, we're going to ask you to help us because you are good and you are able and we are reminded that you want to help us. So help us. Help each and every single person here get out of the hole they're in. For some, they're in a physical hole. They're financially struggling. 
They, they need to move. They need to be in a different situation. For some of them, it's a soul issue, and their emotions have taken them for a ride and left them in Mexico without a way home. And they need, to, they need, they need help. And for some of them, it's a spiritual issue, and they feel so alone. And they feel so disconnected from you. So no matter what hole they're in, we're asking for your help. And, and don't help them because they are good. And, and don't help them because they, they didn't cause the problem and they're not at fault and it was somebody else's fault. Don't help them for any of those reasons because they're not true. Help them simply because they are your child and they're asking for your help, and they need your help, and they're going to shift from only focusing on the complaint and instead being reminded that you are coming and you are helping them, and they're putting their hope and trust in you. They're going to do their best. Anything practical they can do in the natural, they will do. But they're trusting that the solution will not be based on their actions alone the solution will come because you whispered in their ear and took them down a path that brought them a solution or you went to a boss and you gave them favor and they got a raise or you simply touched their heart with the Holy Spirit and brought healing to their mind and their will and their emotions and their soul or their body so in the name of Jesus we ask you to help them Help me, Father. Transform us and change us. May we realize it's okay to lament as long as we add hope. And we ask you to help us with that. For some of us, it's hard to trust. As little children, we were taught, don't trust. Because trusting people causes pain. Heal that part of us. Heal that past. Take, take what the devil meant for bad and transform it so that we have a new testimony. Right now, in the name of Jesus, help us to learn how to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Tonight I will be doing another part of that Bible study, Who is Jesus? There's only two weeks left. It'll be tonight. Next week will be the worship night, and then the last Sunday in March will be the final one of that series. So feel free to join us if you are able. The Blessing Shop is open, and I hope you have a great week. God bless.